Good morning. It's Matt Whitmore and Keris Marsden once again from uh, what's the name of this podcast again? Definitely radio. Just testing. <laughs> She's on the ball. Good. She's awake. <laughs> Just. Hey guys, uh, thank you once again for tuning in. This is episode number four, and we've had some fantastic feedback thus far. Thank you very much for everybody that's emailed or personal messaged us on the Fitter Food page. And once again, thank you for sending in all your questions because it's the questions that keep this podcast alive, so to speak. And uh, we've got a few more crackers to go through, which we'll move on to very, very shortly. However, I wanted to just kick off on a real positive note. Um, this is a, a bit of feedback we've had from a listener and someone who follows our Fit of Food page. We mentioned her a couple of weeks ago. Her name's Cheryl Jane Nolan, and she sent us this amazing message, which you will all absolutely love, I'm sure. Just says, hi guys, just wanted to drop you a line. I messaged you a while ago about my dad. He has cancer. We have changed his diet in the ways you suggested, and the improvements are good. He is having chemo too now. We mentioned this a while ago, guys, but uh, there's now an addition to this, by the way. Because his diet has changed and mum's cooking all these lovely meals from your book, she has also noticed a massive change in her diabetes scores and energy levels and lost half a stone, which she is over the moon about. I also asked a question about my eczema, and you kindly answered it in your second podcast. I'm over the moon to tell you that within two weeks, all traces of it are gone. It's changed my life. I'm having bone broth every morning and we use the fat from the top of the broth to cook with. I'm having fish every day, mostly mackerel. I know it sounds crazy, but after years of being told that diet didn't affect eczema by the doctors, I'm so happy to ditch the horrid steroid creams. You guys are amazing and are changing lives for the better and you should be so proud. Oh, that's awesome, isn't it? Oh, that's really nice. So, I mean, as you can see... I brought a tear to your eye yesterday. It did, actually. I, told I, me that. I welled up a little bit. I can't <laughs> lie. The sole reason why we set up Fit of Food, these podcasts, and, and why we wrote the book was to help people, wasn't it? I mean, it's all well and good helping people lose body fat, have more energy, uh, recover more, faster, train harder, and train better. But much deeper than that, when you're helping people overcome diseases like cancer, irritating skin conditions like eczema, there was another chunk of the message there where she said that you know she'd wake up in the morning with her hands bleeding where she's been scratching so much. Mm. You know, and when you get feedback like that, I mean, it just it just I suppose it just reminds you why you do what you do, eh? Yeah, absolutely, and just it's so nice to get that positive feedback as well from yeah. people and that we're on the right track <laughs> yeah we're doing the right thing yeah but i think what's important to highlight and don't get me wrong doctors are fantastic people but it drives us nuts doesn't it when people come back from a doctor saying oh a doctor said that diet and nutrition has no impact on skin conditions like eczema when you and i both know as well there's many people out there that it bloody well does oh yeah absolutely you need to look at well, what did we do before medicine you know and it was done a lot through nutrition and lifestyle and mm. there wasn't there wasn't a need for a lot of medicine because we ate real food <laughs> yeah that's the difference awesome so thank you for messaging us uh, cheryl and may uh, your dad continue to see some big big changes and positive results as your mum so yeah keep that up and keep firing away with any questions and i'm really really chuffed to bits that the eczema's clearing up nicely for you but you listened you put the work in and you're getting the results and that's what it's all about at the end of the day you know you can you can get the info but actually put it into practice is a whole different ball game so massive massive shout out to you on that one so on that positive note why don't we uh, hear what you've been up to, Mrs. Karis Marsden? How have you become even more <laughs> clever than you already are? 
Oh God, there's some pressure. Well, I went to a female health seminar at the weekend in London. It was absolutely amazing, really inspiring. Sounds boring. <laughs> you, would, you would have fallen asleep. <laughs> I loved it. There's some amazing speakers there. There was a presentation on depression and nutrition for depression and supplementation and things like that. Absolutely amazing research behind that. An interesting fact, actually, they were talking about B vitamin supplementation for depression. I actually have read this before and I changed something about my supplementation straight away. But did you know, Matt, that around, I think it was 50% of the population cannot convert folic acid into its bioavailable form in the body, which is known as folate. Wow. Um, and I did ask you this the other day, <laughs> and you didn't know that most women are probably taking folic acid. Right. For what? Can you remember? Fertility. That's it. <laughs> I do listen. <laughs> so, yeah, doctors recommend that every woman goes on folic acid when she's looking to conceive and during pregnancy. It actually increases your risk of a lot of diseases because you can't convert that folic acid into folate. So you end up with higher levels of folic acid than necessary and still not enough folate. So if you are supplementing with folic acid, switch to, you'll actually see it labelled as methyl tetrahydrofolate or 5-MTHF on a supplement, Solgar do one, or Metagenics do one called Intrinsi. Or you could just eat, well, I think you still need to supplement during fertility and conception, but get loads of green vegetables down here like asparagus, broccoli, spinach, parsley. Uh, are you just talking about general health here though, or just women... Well, no, it was actually being talked about for all sorts of reasons. Folate has a really strong role in protecting you against inflammation. So it's heart disease, cancer, all the disease of inflammation. It plays a strong role in, I won't go into the biochemical detail, but it recycles homocysteine, which is a little bit pro-inflammatory, back into methionine, which is going to mean nothing to you or a lot of people <laughs> out there. So yeah, and they were talking about inflammation and the links with depression. So the supplementation with folate could help alleviate depression, but... Obviously, it would be alleviating a lot of things if it was reducing inflammation in the body. But what I want to know is how they managed to cover female health in just one day. (laughs) (laughs) It was a long day. Is this not like one of 20? (laughs) (laughs) It should be. One of the speakers got up and said, this would normally be a whole day. This one hour I'm going to present to you, I normally do in a whole day. So she'd really condensed it. Um, That was actually Marilyn Glenville, who works with a company called The Natural Health Practice. She was doing a lot on estrogen balancing. And Would you recommend her? Yeah, I like her stuff. She's very big on soy supplementation, and so were a few of the other speakers. When they talk about soy, they're not talking about soya milk or soy, soy sauce, soy, soy, sauce <laughs> or soya cheese or whatever. No, they were talking about the isoflavone component of soy, which you would take probably as a supplement, or in fermented soy, like uh, miso, natto, uh, which none of us eat. It's got a beneficial effect in that it can block estrogen from attaching to a cell and having an estrogenic effect in some ways. But the research is a bit sort of goes back and forth. But they, they did seem to recommend it quite a lot. Flaxseed was also talked about. But with the whole soy thing, I mean, there once was a time when it was, you know, soy was recommended as a better choice of protein and it became very, very popular. You know, in recent times it gets quite slated and rightly so because soy now is not what it once was. You know, it's, no. it's processed, it's manufactured in a really bad way realistically on the whole soya front can you imagine people going out there and doing what's required to to prepare soy in a healthier way i've seen it in some health food shops you can buy natto i actually bought it home for you once and you were like oh my no, god not. yeah that you spat it out and went, what is, is there anything you can you you can't get in soy that you could get elsewhere well this is the thing the, the isoflavones are in soya um 
the, the main thing that the people are looking at is why rates of cancer is lower in Japanese. Again, this is a population study, so it's going to have its flaws, and they are linking it back to the isoflavone component in soy. As with anything, the way that they consume soy is very different to how we consume soy. As I said, it's, there's nothing in the soy milks and soy yogurts and, pro and products like that that are going to bring that benefit. Soya is what's known as a goitrogen, so it can suppress your thyroid. You know, lots of people are saying don't touch the stuff. We mentioned it in the book and sort of said you've got to look at the pros and cons, really. I think for women with breast cancer, there is something to be said for supplementation with isoflavones. So in a nutshell, what could you tell our female listeners about that conference? There was loads. It looked at lifestyle, the importance of reducing stress, the importance of healthy exercise. And when I say healthy exercise, I mean not beasting yourself in a gym five, six times a week. I mean like some, some sensible resistance training was recommended for women and lots of outdoor sort of low-level cardio, cycling, well, walking, rock climbing. On that note, because something that we come across a hell of a lot, and personally I would say more so in women than men, you might want to disagree with me, but this is in my experience. A big thing that, that I find women more so than men come to us about is fatigue. Yeah, definitely. What would you say about that? Well, actually, I'd flip that a little bit. Women often come to you and speak about hormone health. They say, my hormones are all over the place. But when you strip it back and start to explore what might be causing that, the answer is probably fatigue and stress because basically they've just piled so much into a day. Everyone has long working days. People have got families and things. As, you know, A lot of women have also got families to look after. Mm -hmm. They're looking at how the fact that women are now working and trying to look after families is just basically double the stress load in life. And then there's this pressure to, to look amazing all the time. So get out to the gym. And hormones are sort of going all over the place because we're not getting enough sleep. We're quite run down. And the, the shortcuts are being made around nutrition because, you know, I have a lot of women who, you know, I'll get the family's dinner ready. I'll make sure I hit my work targets or whatever. I get home so late, can't be bothered. Or get to the gym, do my workout and then get home, can't be bothered. So short, the, the shortcuts are being made in the wrong places. It's nutrition mm -hmm. and sleep that go first. Um, and downtime. You know, I often will say to some clients, when's the last time you stopped and put your feet up yeah. and did something really indulgent, you know, just flick through a magazine or, you know, went and had a massage or something and it's 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 usually weeks, months ago. So, um, Do you know, the thing is in people's heads, you know, this is men and women, I guess, is that when they're trying to have their normal life of work, looking after the kids, family, etc., but then equally, you know, they've got their own kind of physical health and body composition goals that they want to achieve. As far as they're concerned, sitting on the sofa chilling isn't going to burn fat, when in yeah. fact, actually doing that a little bit more often... It's what the body probably needs. Yeah. yeah. And they probably would get better results from it because fatigue is toxic, right? You know, I, yeah, it, no, absolutely. it's toxic to the body. And I think that the hard thing is it goes against everything you've been led to believe. Yeah. So I've mentioned before with a lot of women, the first thing for me that goes is the five, six gym sessions a week because how can you say you're fatigued and then you're still going to the gym? Just a little bit of time out from the gym perhaps. Don't get me wrong, I still want you to move. I still want you to try and maybe walk part of your journey to work, do a bit of yoga, just some uh, little bit of bodyweight exercise. And the weekends is a nice time to get out on your bike. So lots of women saying that they've decided to start cycling to and from work. Yet find this really stressful because it is in London. Oh God, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Anyone that's ever cycled in London yeah. knows. I mean, we were quite lucky because when we used to cycle in, I say used to, where we're weird with things like that, and we have moments where we're like, oh, "Let's start cycling to and from," yeah. <laughs> and we do it for about six months, and then bikes are just getting rusty yeah. every single day. 
we were quite fortunate in that we left at about 5.30 a.m., didn't we, yeah, to so get to quite, work. The roads were quite clear. Roads were dead, fantastic. On the way home, it was a different story. <laughs> and you used to get in the door and you just used to be so anxious and wired and agitated. I used to have to go behind you so that I knew what to do because <laughs> yeah. I'm not the most road aware. So I'd copy that, you. That stressed me out. That was what I was saying. That was a stress for you. But then you would always have taxi drivers or buses nearly take you out. And the number of times... This is so funny, but you would get off the bike and bang on the window of a taxi at, when it got to the red lights. What do you expect? You really run me down. <laughs> and then he slightly regret it when you were just looming over the car. Uh, but yeah, so, so that was just one point. Of, you're a big fan of exercise, obviously, and it's so important for health. There are different types of exercise, times to do it, times not to do it. And it shouldn't be an added stressor. It should be something that you enjoy doing. Do you think as well on the exercise front, people have this fixation on a, a set duration? A number of sessions. Yeah, they're like, well. I have yeah. to do 45 minutes yeah. at least. Why, why, why do you have to do 45 minutes? I mean, someone asked me a question the other day. If you had 15 minutes to train, what would you do? I mean, I know what my answer would be. I'd, I'd say sprints. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say sprints. Some sprints. Or rowing, or rowing intervals. Rowing intervals yeah. or preferably, more to the point, hill sprints. Yeah. Just because, you know, if you're running flat out for 30 to 50 metres up a nice incline for five to ten sets, trust me, your legs will be on fire, your metabolism will be through the roof, your heart rate will be through the roof. What's always funny is, I mean, we've always tried to do sprints together, haven't we? <laughs> even over Christmas, I always that used to be my one workout I'll keep doing over the Christmas holidays. And even on Christmas Day, because it's such a, a nice thing to do sometimes, get up quite, well, get up early with the family and then I head out about 11 and just do like a quick series of hill sprints. But every time I take Matt with me, <laughs> you always get to the hill and go... Yeah, my head's gone. Not gonna, not 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 for this. I'm not doing it. And I always managed to get you to do about two, and then it, then it's like, oh, I'm getting some cramping in in my calves. Oh, you know, whatever. Like, granted, they're hey, like, hello. They yeah, are yeah. two of the fastest sprints you probably I've ever seen, and I'm like literally miles yeah, behind. I, I believe you. in quality over quantity. Yeah, then, <laughs> then we get to about three, and you're like, let's head back now. This will do. <laughs> One last thing I was just going to mention was something I'm really excited about because I'm going to make you do it with me as well. There's a lot of genetic testing that's been sort of reviewed at the moment and I'm going to make me and Matt do one that's called detoxygenomics and it looks at how you detoxify things in our environment and in the body. So things like uh, cigarette smoke, pollution, alcohol, chemicals that might sit on the skin. It's a really interesting test because we inherit what we can and can't detoxify sort of from your parents a little bit. So you can have something called SNPs in your genes which which are the like genetic isn't that what dogs have when you don't want them to have any more pups yeah yes yeah, <laughs> but it's um and it's a genetic defect i suppose is the way you explain it well or a genetic change that you inherit from parents and this test looks at you know what you got from mum what you got from dad it's, it's really exciting a snip i suppose is a, the best way i can explain it is if you went into um if you lifted the car bonnet up and went into the engine and just cut one or two wires. The car might still run, but it's just not going to be optimal. Something's going to be going wrong somewhere. I bet um, there's mechanics listening to this going, what are you on about? <laughs> yeah, you cut yeah. any wires in an yeah, engine, yeah. Like, it ain't going to work. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I don't know a lot about cars. But I like the idea the snip sounds, something like that. So... All, you, all you non-mechanics will think that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the body's running, but not optimally. So I'm going to make me and Matt do the test and we'll, we'll share with you the results. But that's the reason why some people can get away with things like smoking to the age of 90 and, and not yeah. be affected by it, because they can detoxify a lot of the chemicals in cigarette smoke 
really well, whereas others might have a snip in that pathway in the liver, which detoxifies that. And so therefore they're at high risk of cancer. So it's a, it's a good one to do if, if you've got sort of cancer running down your family, it would be good to know. Um, the one that I want Matt to know about is the one that looks at whether he could detoxify toxins from burnt foods and fried foods. So the reason being he's a big barbecue fan. Who isn't? <laughs> and also that fry, and you prefer to fry your foods, don't you? On a low heat, admittedly, but he's Thank always you. frying foods over steaming because he prefers the taste. Well, steam my veg. Steamed chicken just doesn't really... No, 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 but you slow cook or oven bake meats is better. And that was really emphasised in the presentations on Saturday. Yes, boss. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get that test done and see if Matt should Post or shouldn't eat barbecue food for... You're doing it as well. Yeah, I know. But imagine, I... imagine it says I can have barbecue food in abundance. <laughs> that's that's hey? dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> right, so um, that's Keris. She's kind of been... Expanding her knowledge, as always, this girl... Honestly, I mean, I, I'm, I might sound biased. She is my girlfriend and I love her dearly, but she's expanding her knowledge every day, reading, going on to webinars, learning every single day, and it's all, you know, obviously to, to help herself and to help her clients and to help you guys, so massive props to her. But uh, meanwhile, while she was getting her read on, I was getting my mud on. <laughs> <laughs> I had participated in the Spartan Beast Race on Saturday, the just gone, which is the, the 9th of November. It was a, certainly an experience. <laughs> it was absolutely brutal. The amazing thing about this is Matt entered this a week before because our friend Eddie was taking part from... And Marcus. From, and Marcus from Fit London classes. And he just got a bit inspired by them and said, I'm going to do it. And I said to him, you are crazy. Yeah. He must have done, I don't know, a couple of weight sessions in the last two weeks because we've been busy. And then... The week of the event, I tried to make him do the hill sprints with me again. I'd done five. <laughs> but even then, you got to the bottom of the hill and went, oh, my head's not in the right place. <laughs> and just before he left for the race, he was like, it's quite a big prize up if you win. And I, I couldn't believe he was actually contemplating winning well, on, you, on gonna, five hill sprints. If you're going to do it, you've got to do it properly, right? But do you know what's funny? I knew you'd get a good time. I knew you would. And what, you came 27th? Well, yeah, actually, I came... 27th out of 2,973 competitors, which I was absolutely over the moon with. But That's unbelievable. The, the reason I'm kind of telling you this is that I always go into things with a, a strong mindset. I don't enter things if I don't think I'm going to do well. But yeah, it ended up being like, I think it was about 11 or 12 mile course, over 70 obstacles. The inclines were insane. The mud was crazy. The water was freezing. When you explain some of the things, because I contemplated it for a laugh. I'd have been with Eddie at the back. <laughs> Not that you were at the back, Eddie. Would but... <laughs> you run it with me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <It's> like, no. <laughs> but I contemplated just crazy moment. I thought I could do it. I haven't really been training much either, but I know I would have cried after you told me what it involved. I would have, would have stopped and cried. The thing is, there, there was no point going round that I was like, this is absolutely fantastic. I'm having an absolute whale of a time. You know, in fact, my thoughts as I were going round were, what am I doing? This is insane. But I was determined to finish. But tell it's one of those him, things tell that... about Eddie at the finish line. That was funny. As soon as, well, as soon as you finish, like, your body just goes into complete <laughs> meltdown. Because <laughs> your adrenaline's pumping. And then you finish the race. And all of a sudden, the things you couldn't feel just kick in. The pain kicks in. Oh. The cold kicks in. Oh. You're shivering. And, um... You know, but then, you know, you feel amazing of what you've just done. Like you have absolutely put your body through it on every level in terms of fatigue, tiredness, 
cold, cuts, bruises, scrapes, whatever. But it's an amazing feeling to kind of put your body to the test. But the point, like I said, I want to make is that it's, it's mindset. You know, if you enter anything and you want to see a, a change, be it inside or out or even inside or out of the gym, forget your health. You need to go in it with a positive, strong mindset. And without sounding arrogant, I knew I would do well. I didn't think I would do that well, but I, I knew that I would do well. Otherwise, I never would have entered the bloody thing because um, I am a, a competitive bugger. I always like to think that the odds are against me on these kind of things because I'm about 100 kgs. I'd say I'd carry a decent amount of muscle, it's safe to say, between about 10 and 12% body fat. And some of the other dudes there were clearly a good 20, 30 kgs lighter than me, seasoned runners. And to be fair, some of the guys that won it, I mean, their times were just insane. Like the winning time was over 30 minutes quicker than me, which I can't even get my head round, to be perfectly honest with you. I reckon even if I missed out all the obstacles, I still wouldn't have done it in that time. You know, for me, it just comes down to mental toughness. And this could be when you enter the gym into a tough workout, a race like this, or even a nutrition plan. As long as you're prepared mentally, you will succeed. And I never once kidded myself into believing that the race was going to be easy or that I was going to win it or whatever. I just told myself it was going to be absolutely brutal and I needed to pull out all the stops in order to, to complete it and to complete it in a good time. So, yeah, that was me, Spartan Beast Race, and I'm chuffed to bits, 27th out of nearly 3,000 people. Maybe next time I'll train for it. <laughs> You're not doing it again. Well, so you say. <laughs> the question I asked, I said, tell them what Eddie did at the finish line, because this is funny just how the, the, how the body reacts at the very end of the race when you said you stopped. And you're used to it from rugby and from, you know, you've thrown yourself into half marathons and all sorts of stuff. But I think he was in shock, wasn't he? Oh, he, was, he kind of went into panic mode. He was like, help me, like, <laughs> fix me. What, what do I do? Like, I hurt everywhere. What can I, Matt, what can I do? And I didn't have a clue. I mean, you were so cold and fatigued, like you couldn't even stretch. What did they offer you at the end, food-wise and drink-wise? You, they give you a bounce ball. <laughs> which uh, I'm not normally a fan of bounce balls but to be fair after that you could have offered me anything with a hint of sweetness yeah, and yeah, I would have gone for it. it yeah we talk about uh, post-workout nutrition and obviously there's a massive difference between post-workout nutrition for, for strength and post-workout nutrition for endurance this event was <laughs> would certainly fall into the endurance bracket and uh, whilst I had a good breakfast that morning, I stayed hydrated. Eddie actually gave me some glucose sweets to have on the way round. Goody good stuff, <laughs> which were a lifesaver, to be fair, because yeah. um, gave me just what I needed. They offer you bananas on your way round, but I'm not it's used to that heavy. whole eating on the, the yeah. move kind of thing. And they give you water as you go around, of course. But uh, at the end, my body just, all I wanted was sugar, 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 sugar. Annoyingly, my wallet was in Eddie's bag. And because I finished in front of Eddie I couldn't get anything but until I actually begged a, the woman on the tea and coffee stand for a cup of tea <laughs> and I, th I think she could see the desperation in my face oh. but I ended up having a cup of tea with uh, with four sugars la, 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 in. La, la, la. <laughs> but I just a I just needed a warm drink and b I just my body just needed sugar so badly so, well, yeah. What did you say they were there? They had like burger stalls yeah, and yeah these and... events like burgers and and you know, like shit, really shitty food. To be perfectly honest with you, and and I just think you know, like don't get me wrong, you know, I'm not saying that they have to have like health food stalls or anything like that, but it 
it would have been nice to just have something available that was well, just much more nutri- nutrient dense for a bloody start. Yeah, someone um, needs to get on that. There's a big gap. And there. also, there was no coffee van there. <laughs> I had no coffee before the race. I thought, ah, oh, there'd be a coffee stand there. No. Really? Unless you wanted some crappy Nescafe instant, no oh. tar. But uh, luckily, you know, I'm a prepared guy. I had a load of food with me in the car and I had a good old scoff when I was stuck in traffic on the way home. <laughs> it made it slightly more bearable. But You actually uh, took some uh, blueberry muffins that are in our Christmas e-book, didn't you? That yeah. I just tested out the day before. So yeah, you amazing. Had a load of them. But like I said, when you, after doing something like that, you're, you're not fussy. So <laughs> I could have eaten anything. Right, so let's get down to some questions. This is from Ray Smith, and this was on our Fitter Food page. He said he has a question regarding his 15-year-old son who seems to break out in acne and spots on his face, randomly in his ear, top of his nose, near his eye, and sometimes on his shoulders. I suffered this as a teenager myself. My question is, do you think this is at all nutrition-related? If so, should he be avoiding any types of foods or would it be a case of trial and error? Keep up the fantastic work. Oh, cheers, Ray. Oh, that's nice. Um, Yeah, I really um, sympathise here because I had acne as a teenager and it's it's pretty soul-destroying, especially when your confidence as a teenager isn't exactly sky-high anyway. It's pretty natural in those years because this is when it's basically it's hormonal. So hormones that are going all over the place. Testosterone is going to be a little bit elevated and that's probably what's going on here. But there is loads you can do in terms of calming down hormones and inflammation um, throughout those teenage years. One thing I would say is if you go to the doctors, they'll often do two things. They'll go for like a... Uh, vitamin A cream, like a topical cream, which can be a little bit aggressive on the skin, actually gave me um, eczema. I sort of reacted to it quite badly, so it would suggest that it's not the best. And then the other thing they might offer you is either topical antibiotics, like a roll-on, or um, oral antibiotics to take. Both will just sort of add fuel to the fire, really, because where I'm going to go with this is sort of supporting the gut quite a lot and detox in the body, because that's going to help get rid of excessive hormones and, and just reduce inflammation. So it's quite tempting often to consider antibiotics, especially as a teenager, you just want to get rid of it really quickly. But it's sort of just you're prolonging the agony and, and further down the line, there's going to be other stuff that happens. For me, it was like really, really bad IBS because I stayed on antibiotics for about 18 months. So uh, it's quite a long time. So anyway, uh, back to some things you could do. Obviously, it depends on how, how up for this your son is going to be. But look to remove dairy and gluten as a, as a sort of really good starting point i'm not too keen on some of the gluten-free products out there because um, they've got just as much crap in them as some of the gluten products quite frankly so but you can have things like potatoes and rice and corn they're all gluten-free sort of little processing involved in those as possible so you know just some rice cereal or rice cakes if, if he likes that sort of thing personally i'd get him on as much of a fit of food model of eating as possible i think guys just really really thrive from any age um on that on that type of eating wouldn't you agree matt oh good yeah, I mean, wouldn't you say, though, the obvious barrier here, though, is the fact that he's 15? That's what I was about to say. Yeah. I don't know how it's going to be very... You have to work with this diplomatically. And the dairy side, butter would be the exception because it's mainly a fat um, and it's going to have lots of vitamin A in, which we need for skin and vitamin E. So that's a fantastic fat to keep in. What you might want to do, just in case there's maybe something like lactose intolerance causing a bit of inflammation, is boil it to make ghee. Really easy. We do. We haven't put that 
video up yet. I'm really sorry for no. Ghee, but we will post that video up. Um, that's in Matt's hands today. So yeah, if you remove those two as a starting point, and that's just going to help, it's just going to support healthy digestion, which is where, and detoxification. So helping to sort of get those excessive hormones out of the body. And so, as I said, removing all sort of processed foods and processed sugar alcohol itself um, in high amounts is going to be really highly inflammatory so you're probably going to notice those breakouts get even worse after big nights out drinking as I'm saying this I'm thinking 15 year old boy (laughs) probably not going to listen to any of this (laughs) (laughs) he's zoned out already Um, and then the foods which are um, good for skin you want things like uh, vitamin a rich foods so liver I don't know you know what if he likes that sort of food but you could look at doing things like liver pate and actually sneaking liver into meatballs is a really good one. My mum does that. She just grates small bits of liver in. And then obviously you've got the nice tomato, spicy tomato sauce, so you can hardly taste it. As I've mentioned, butter and ghee, great source of vitamin A and E. There's also, uh, you could look at taking something like a fermented cod liver oil. But again, they repeat on you. So um, it's not great for kids. It's probably not going to be a winner, really. Um, a, a general fish oil might be another idea just to in- reduce the inflammation and help with the skin as well, boost up omega-3s. Good brands would be something like um, you could go for Eskimo, um, Nordic Naturals or BioCare have one as well. And there are some for kids that are flavoured quite strongly. Um, I'm actually writing a little document for one of the ladies on our Optimal Body Project about supplements and and foods for kids. So if I get time, I'm going to try and post that up on the page as a free, um, just a little free information uh, PDF. So the other thing, vitamin E rich foods, so nuts and nut butters, good replacement there for some of the dairy products. And then you've got olive oil and avocado. And then zinc rich foods are really important for skin. So again, one of the best sources is oysters. Can't imagine that's on the menu every single day, but just red meat, shellfish and pumpkin seeds would be a good shout. In terms of what to do topically, I would suggest just getting a good tea tree oil, organic and sort of natural one if you can. If you stuck it on a cotton bud and just gently put it in the ears, it's got an antimicrobial, antibacterial effect so we'll just help get rid of some of the inflammation on on all the irritated parts of the skin you could yeah what i would do is i'd get tea tree products to wash with natural moisturizers so something like bulldog would be great for him with all the coconut oil coconut oil is very antimicrobial as well and then apply the tea tree at night just before bed Mm. definitely in the ears and just on the skin but for something like this especially when it's in the ears we're looking at like possible um you know i said inflammation and gut problems maybe so if you could get him on something like um a good probiotic like culturel it's a fantastic one and they do do one for kids but uh, he'd be fine to go on the adults one and a little bit of glutamine as well just a a teaspoon a day um, just put it into a shake if he has like a breakfast smoothie or anything like that and then probably some zinc uh, pickle and eight would be good maybe try him on those three if you've got the time I don't know if he will do this but if you wanted to ferment some yogurt um, (laughs) or ferment some carrots and ginger there's lots of SCD lifestyle is probably one of the best sites for just some quick recipes for fermented yogurt and fermented um, foods they would be good for him in terms of providing a big hit of probiotics and then just sort of calming that down a little bit so yeah just go and support the gut and obviously bone broth so if you can get him on some uh, soup stews and curries over the winter just get a lot of those sort of nourishing glycine into his diet that'd be great as well for the skin the thing is with these kind of things though is that and and to be fair i mean you could say you know he's 15 and naturally i suppose when you're 15 you don't really want to take this kind of stuff on board but people always look for that shortcut don't they think i can go to the doctors i can get this medication it will clear this up yada yada but you know as you saw from our feedback from cheryl at the beginning she's been on steroid creams for years 
from the doctors for an eczema, a skin condition, inflammatory condition that you know has, has maybe somewhat dulled the, the the irritation, never got rid of it, and then within two weeks of just stopping using that and actually eating real food, supporting her gut, and just eating natural anti-inflammatory foods, it's gone, like completely gone, not just reduced, it's completely gone. So it kind of depends what you want to get out of this. Like, do you actually want to just disguise the symptoms or do you want to get rid of the cause yeah. or, or, or massively reduce the symptoms? What I would say is, I mean, I know at that age, I think I was about 16 when mine struck and it just got worse and worse and worse. And as I said, it, it's, it was really, really hard to deal with as a teenager and I would have done absolutely anything. And um, bless my mum, she took me to the doctors because that was what you did and went on antibiotics and it did clear my skin up, but obviously led to problems down the line. So if someone had told me at that age, not eating this, this and this, as long as I had alternatives and knew what I could eat um, and a bit of support from parents. And I actually, actually did at the time. My mum, I remember her making a big watercress soup one day and telling me it'd be, it'd be good for my skin and it would really help. Yeah. Um, and then my dad said, give her two pints of it. <laughs> Which was like, again, yeah, I know. I, <laughs> I went off and cried for about two hours. And uh, like, you get so much grief from people, you know, the, the oxycutum jokes and stuff like that. Yeah. It's really hard. So... I think he'd probably be up for a lot of stuff just with a bit of help from parents in terms of helping him prep that stuff. But I would also give it around six to 12 weeks before you're probably going to see that much of a difference. Yeah, you're going to um, give it time, aren't Yeah, you? definitely. Uh, by 12 weeks, if you're not seeing a difference, obviously give us a shout back and, and there'll be other things that we could suggest doing. But I would say between four and six, you'll start to see an improvement. Oh, good, yeah. Definitely. And get, get lots of um, fish in there as well in terms of his main source of protein. There's a couple of ladies on the um on our 12-week plan isn't there who one of their big issues was skin yeah and i mean we're what we're in week nine now yeah and it's only been this week that they've actually said that like all of a sudden their skin is massively clearing up and their skin looks fantastic now doesn't it yeah yeah you know there's still a little bit of work to do but compared to how it was at the beginning is is massive and that's without any fancy creams or medicated creams or anything like that that's just kind of healing from the inside Absolutely, and I wouldn't waste too much money on products that you put on the skin. Um, I really wouldn't. It's just, you know, you treat all this stuff from within and you yeah. see a big difference on the outside. Nice okay. one. Okay, next question. This is from Chris Harrison. Uh, this is a gentleman who is on our 20... Well, it was on our 28-day fat loss Kickstarter, which uh, ended two days ago. However, we're still in touch with them all. Big shout-out to everybody on the 28-day fat loss Kickstarter. You don't amazingly well um absolutely chuffed to bits with your your guys results so well done on that one but yeah this is from chris harrison hey bud i'm training for size and strength i've been playing around with a few things since the new year but not really sticking to a certain program long enough started doing the strong lifts five by five routine which i really enjoyed but was put off after reading things online saying it wasn't the best for mass couldn't decide whether or not it was bs so as you can see my, from my pics, I have an ectomorph frame, but I can put on fat easily. So in a crappy position, really. Any tips on training routines, periods to follow them, and how to progress? Cheers, dude. Well, as you can imagine, this is probably, Keris probably gets a top three question she gets from female clients. And I'd say I get a top three questions I get from, from male clients. And with male clients, you know, you can imagine how to put on muscle is, is up there. Um, in fact, if you Google how to put on muscle, I think something like over 55,000 results come back. So 
there's there's tons of info out there that will no doubt confuse and conflict each other but um for me when it comes to putting on size i mean you've got to look at different factors for a start i mean as chris said he's a ectomorph so he's actually a slim build guy probably um has never kind of like really put on huge amounts of muscle mass so you've kind of got to look at that as a bit of a genetic factor um i on the other hand have always been a bit of a mesomorph you know i've always been quite broad shoulders i, I, I believe i get that from my granddad and um, my dad was quite broad as well so they're things you need to look at but you know don't ever feel defeated but do come to terms with that you are if you are of a slim build you're never going to be an absolute monster but it doesn't mean you can't put on on muscle chris mentioned uh, different training routines and this is where i think most people go wrong is that a as he said they don't stick to a, a particular routine for maybe long enough or they read something that puts them off but for me when it comes to putting on size most people don't actually train hard enough or create enough tension and micro tears in the muscle in order to experience growth of course, what you do in the gym is, not, you know, it's catabolic. So you're breaking muscle tissue down, you're breaking muscle fibers down. And then what you do outside of the gym is obviously be as anabolic as you can, which is when your body's building, repairing and growing. So obviously both need to be on a level. You know, there's, if you're breaking muscle tissue down and then not recovering, ad recovering adequately, then, you know, you've, you've got a problem on your hands. But for me, I mean, I see it all the time and, and this doesn't, this is universal. I could be in any gym in any country around the world. And you see it so often, people just kind of lifting a few weights, getting maybe a little pump on and, and thinking that that's going to be sufficient. But you want to put on muscle mass and you already know that you're probably someone who doesn't put it on quite so easily. You really need to focus on breaking those muscle fibers down. So creating lots of uh, tension, lots of concentration in the muscle, getting those micro tears and then obviously recovering sufficiently. The classic five by five um, was something that I cottoned onto a few years ago after reading uh, Brooks Kubik's book, uh, Dinosaur Training. Awesome book, guys, uh, if you want to check that out for a bit of old school strongman stuff. I actually personally got huge, huge gains from that. I got really strong. That strength carried over into like some of my hypertrophy work. So I was then, my poundages were higher. I was lifting more weight. And whatever you say, it's all well and good creating tension in a set, but you need to start overloading the muscles with weight as well. You know, rather than, I mean, you see people that have been training for a couple, you know, a couple of years and they're, they're still inclined dumbbell pressing the same weight, give or take a few kilos. You know, you should still be getting stronger as well as getting bigger. So I'd say definitely chuck some of the five by five stuff in there. Five sets of five reps. Make sure you rest long enough. I mean, if you're hitting weights where three to five repetitions is, is enough, then you need to make sure you're resting sufficiently in between sets, you know, three to five minutes sometimes, depending on the uh, level of exertion to make sure you recover in time. A classic rep range you probably hear when it comes to putting on mass is eight to 12. Three sets of eight to 12 reps. It drives me absolutely mental. Personally, I'm a huge fan of going above that. I believe in... Uh, going for about five five sets on hypertrophy maybe one or two warm-ups and then getting five working sets but i always try and focus on getting lots of tension in the muscle i'm a huge fan of really slow negative reps so on an incline bench press for example you know you'll power the dumbbells up as quick as you can on the way down i go for about a four to six second count really keeping that tension on my chest and then when I get to the bottom, I don't bounce the dumbbells off my chest. I get a brief pause and then boom, I'm back to the top again. 
just to really get the muscle fibers stimulated and, and, and working. You probably should warn uh, a lot of guys that they'd have to drop their weights down to be able to perform that effectively, wouldn't you say? Oh, good, yeah. And that's sometimes hard to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you get a lot of douchebags who just think that going heavier is the answer. But yeah. don't get me wrong, you do need to go heavier, but at the same time, you know, your form needs to be good. I'm not saying your form needs to be, I mean, you, you get these kind of like form Nazis, but trust me, when you're starting to lift a heavy load, towards the end there, you know, there's going to be a little bit of give or take on your technique. So long as it's not unsafe, you know, you don't have to be in the exact same perfect position you was on the first rep of your first set. Um, that's me anyway. I might get slated for that, but I don't care. Um, yeah, so from putting on muscle, I would just say get your consistency in with your training make sure your training is demanding enough you know so on your last one or two sets you know really do try and push to failure really overload the muscle fibers there make sure you rest enough in between your sessions don't go crazy it's easy to remember i said training is catabolic if you are overtraining and you're not as anabolic as you should be outside of the gym then actually you're going to probably start potentially losing muscle mass i mean that's quite extreme but you we know you see it a lot with clients who think some of them are doing the, t- the twice a day some of them are doing you know cardio and strength yeah two split sessions and that uh, i see a lot of people do six sessions a week so they get one rest day sunday usually yeah i mean and with that i don't think you're going to get as good a results as if you cut down to about four that's always been my take yeah, i agree get I a mean, rest day in the middle of the week yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. the best results i got was when I actually reduced my training frequency but increased my training intensity when I did train. Yeah. So it was like the whole less is more kind of thing. But I ensured that I recovered much, much more in between my sessions. You've got more in the tank as well for the session then, haven't you? Well, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. I mean, because I know some people who do train six days a week, yet, you know, have looked exactly the same for the last two or three years. Don't get me wrong, there's a level of... Uh, enjoyment i know people go to the gym because they enjoy it etc and that's great but sometimes that can be at odds with your with your overall goal me personally four times a week is ample and that's kind of across the board whether your goal is strength putting on muscle i mean obviously it varies depending on the individual and what they do etc but my biggest uh, advice would be don't be afraid to vary your training eight to ten reps is great get multiple sets in mix it up with some strong stuff and even go crazy and go to the top end for a few sessions and really overload the muscles with some high rep stuff on, you know, like 15 to 20 reps, even very, very short rest periods. One thing as well, just in terms of the nutrition side, some people just going way too low carb to put on size. And again, some people are just going to need more carbohydrates. Well, people just assume put on muscle equals more protein. More protein, yeah. And that, that, I suppose that leads on to also, I know I've had a couple of guys who um, their guts haven't really been in a good state. So despite following a, a, you know, a good diet and a good training protocol, they're not getting results. And sleep's not too bad either, although that is the last thing that seems to get implemented, yeah. getting to bed a decent time before midnight. There's digestive, health, um, digestive issues there, which means that <clears throat> no matter what they're eating, they're just not breaking it down and absorbing it properly. So you could look at, um, do you need something like stomach acid and digestive enzyme support? Actually, last night um, when we had dinner, you hadn't eaten all day and you piled up the biggest plate of food. I mean, it was obscene. Mm. It was like... Yeah, but in, in my defence, I had not eaten all day. I just said not that. Out, yeah, but not out of choice. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't doing like a 24-hour fast. I've had a dodgy since the Spartan race on, on Saturday, which clearly 
even though I'd done okay, took it out of me. I've had a, a dodgy gut since. So yesterday I didn't eat all day long. So, but that, that's what I was about to say, was try not to overload any one meal. So yeah. um, sometimes guys are a little bit, in terms of like post-workout meals, piling the plate really high because you're starving. It should just be probably an extra meal here and there yeah. um, as, a, as a nicer way of doing it. Don't overload the gut and watch out on things like shakes. You don't want to have, like, if you've been doing whey for like, I don't know, a couple of years now, you need to probably switch to a rice-based one for a while and rotate your shakes. Yeah, no, no, 100%. I mean, obviously, it's all well and good doing what you do in the gym, but like Keris mentioned, you know, if you're if you're not as anabolic as you could be outside of the gym, you, your results are going to be somewhat limited massively. I mean, I've always said one of the most anabolic things you can do is get a good night's sleep. You know, that's when the magic happens. That's when your body really starts to repair, secretes growth hormone and gets you ready for the next day and, and your, your next workout. So they're, they're massive, massive factors. And you know this, Chris, because we've, we've mentioned this on a 28-day plan. You know how important these things are. So in the gym, don't be afraid to kick your ass. Make sure you warm up properly. I mean, you know, that, that might sound obvious, but warm up properly, prep your muscles, kick your ass for a solid 45 to 60 minutes, really break down those muscle fibers, cool down, stretch properly, get your post-workout nutrition right, and then just focus on being as anabolic as you possibly can outside of the gym. You know, and that means chilling out, getting some good night's sleep, eating lots of anti-inflammatory foods and getting your, your macros right. But also remember, don't don't get mind boggled by what you read. It's all well and good reading, you know, five by five isn't good for growth, but it, it, it's, I certainly built muscle doing it. Um, and I certainly got stronger and that certainly had a knock-on effect to my hypertrophy phase, if you like. But yeah, just focus on enjoying your workouts and being a bit brutal and getting that mindset right to really kind of reap the best results. I mean, I put a status update before about saying that the best results I got came when I focused less on my training and more on lifestyle factors like sleep, stress, chewing my food properly, ensuring I was absorbing nutrients better because I was chewing food properly rather than just wolfing it down. Um, so that's that would be my advice, mate. Um, I'll be more than happy to message you with a little bit of structure on on how I may suggest structuring things. But you don't want to fall into that bracket of overtraining. Definitely not. I mean, there are kind of talk, uh, things out there about uh, intentional overtraining, which uh, I could touch on another time because I've just uh, clocked how long we've been talking for. But yeah, that that would be my advice to you, matey. Uh, so I hope that answers your question. Right. So couple of questions answered yeah bit of a uh, bit of what we've been up to hopefully um, some tips and information as well yeah absolutely so one quick note actually we watched a film last night called untouchable oh, amazing. Uh, amazing film it's it's a french one with subtitles but it's bloody awesome and <laughs> Matt was getting stressed because he's trying to eat his dinner, to dinner and, and read, read subtitles <laughs> and every time i looked down i was a bit worried i'd missed something <laughs> but keep telling you what you missed <laughs> ma- massive uh, recommendation on that one absolutely great 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 film uh, a good feel good film as well and so it's a true story as well so based on a true story based on a true i'd story. be quite intrigued to know uh how much of it is true yeah but anyway on that note that's episode four done and dusted remember there's a spartan in all of us uh, get, <laughs> get your mind right and focus and, and anything is possible and i 100 percent mean that you know so get your head down focus nail it bosh bosh job done <laughs> thanks for listening guys episode four and we will see you over episode five bye bye